the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever, and this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? Pretty good. I got some uh, really good mail this week. Uh, Scott R. sent me his Zane Strange Tapes VHS Oddities Unearthed number one. Ooh. Uh, Ryan, VHS tapes were really weird. Yes. Uh, how, how specifically were VHS, uh, VHS tapes weird? So what Scott R. has done is he has just photocopied the covers of weird tapes that he's found at Goodwill, mm-hmm. most of which are people's, like, stand-up comedy demos with autographs that are in the boxes. <laughs> and oh, my like, God. And, like, you know, weird machine gun porn and and Jonathan Winters as Grandpa Nature and the Zoo Food tape grandpa oh my god that's wonderful and 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 so it's just like all these bizarre little things that you can tell like some guy was thinking to himself while uh, autographing this tape like you know what when i hit it big this is going to really be worth a mint also the 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 best and most frustrating part of this zine which he's at four issues and number four is out right now it's a Mm -hmm. christmas issue so if y'all who are listening Go to strangetapeszine.bigcartel.com. You can pick up the Christmas issue, which is all weird Christmas <laughs> tapes Scott owns. But um, he has a copy of Thunder Warrior 2 in here, which, by the way, Thunder Warrior 2 is about a Native American Holy Rambo. Shit. But the tragedy is someone dubbed over the tape with television recordings. So he is annotated everything that's on the tape instead of the movie and he's provided screen captures of all of it so he's doing the lord's work is what he's doing like this is yeah it's very he is out there in the vhs mines working the soil like this is yeah um honestly with vhs tapes i think i the weirdest vhs tape i ever found was um it was a tape that had obviously like these parents had made a music video for their kid and it's full yeah yeah and i found it a good one and it was just obviously like and the kid's name was darren and i remembered darren because they superimposed his head onto a teddy bear oh man that's it's insane uh quincy are you familiar with memory hole no what is this holy shit okay so memory hole which is uh i I think it's one of the best parts of being on the internet um the everything is terrible guys which you you know everything is terrible oh yeah i love everything is terrible speaking of tapes are really weird oh it's wonderful um they uh so they have a project that they've been doing since i think 2015 called memory hole and memory hole is um it's patched together with the the everything is terrible guys somehow got access to a giant backlog of submissions to uh bracket an unnamed uh video submission show in the 90s that featured humorous family japes so america's (gasps) funniest home videos but they can't legally say yes. These are America's Funniest Home Video auditions. Um, but these are all the all the submissions that were too horrifying and weird and embarrassing <laughs> and creepy to make the cut. This. And so they've edited them. To, uh, if you go to Memory Hole on YouTube, they've edited them together into minute long. Uh, compilation videos with like Lynchian ambient noise in the background, and. It is one of the most uncanny experiences I think I've ever had is is the memory hole. If you haven't seen memory hole, um, as, as a side note here, uh, you will you might actually see somebody you know in one of these submissions because Christina, her father 
uh, back in the day, like, there is a thing that pops up with her dad's name on it at the start, and I'm like, no, there's no possible way. And then his face pops up, and I'm and I pause it immediately, and I'm like, Christina, I need you to come take a look at this. This guy doing like movie lines, like a comedy routine, and just tell me at a glance if this is your dad. I will not show you the whole thing. I just gotta know. And she took one glance and went, "Yep." And uh, it's incredible. No way. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. My hand to God. And so, if you ever fall down this hole memory hole it, now and and this is the weird thing is the like is it okay for me to be watching this because these are people's lives and like the way that i justify it to myself because i'm a fucking ghoul is well i mean they submitted this to america's funniest home videos like they they wanted this to be seen they 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 thought this was interesting and cool enough for other people to appreciate it yeah, I know people that watch CCTV videos just in their downtime, so this is far <laughs> more innocuous. Oh my god. Yeah, CCTV videos is like... CCTV videos, hog in hand, you know, this is not that. <laughs> exactly right. So, um, I was gonna ask you if you'd ever read, if you ever got a um, SpaghettiOs book, but now this like pales in comparison. Oh no, wait, so we just wait, what's the SpaghettiOs book? So, um, if you got enough cans of SpaghettiOs, you could send off for a custom storybook with your birthday information. So, they kind of give you a Mad Libs with, like, what's your kid's name? What are their favorite things? What's their birthday? And it's this, and my mom got me one, and it's this, the Teddy Bear O's, who are the teddy bears who love SpaghettiOs. <laughs> Um, invited Quincy to their birthday party. <laughs> it was Quincy's Philip J. Fry. Oh my God, that's fucking incredible. Yeah, and like there's a there's a cutout where you can stick like your baby picture in it and stuff. Oh my God, and this ties into SpaghettiOs. How? Because in the very late '80s, early '90s, the SpaghettiOs mascots were bears. Uh, but they're like cool bears or like skateboarding bears because <laughs> because millennials like skateboarding uh, so, bears and and you ha the only way you could get it was to eat all of the spaghetti. <laughs> I also learned today that teenagers still eat spaghettios because my barber's son uh, mm -hmm. just subsists on cans of spaghettios. That is, see, eating SpaghettiOs, here's here's a crucial question. Does he actually transfer the SpaghettiOs to a bowl and then microwave it, or is he eating it cold out of the can? I think it just depends on how the mood is striking him. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, sometimes a solitary can of room temp SpaghettiOs, you know, I'm not too proud. We've all, we've all eaten. You know... As gross as SpaghettiOs are, and as far as I've come to not eat them, mm -hmm. the feeling of, like, scalding hot SpaghettiOs going down your esophagus is a, a wonderful sensation. I, I would liken it to your first menthol cigarette or, like, you know, fine <laughs> bourbon. It's, it's just, like, hot scalding SpaghettiOs warming up your wretched guts is a wonderful feeling. It's like it's like God's own magma. Like you're just shotgunning hot spaghettios. Yeah, you put those in there for three although, minutes on high. 
Yeah, I honestly spaghetti. You say, Fuck it to the inside of your microwave and just plaster it with orange. <laughs> but like having detritus, and you just having uh, like a specific like spaghettios centric uh, children's book. This sounds like a multi level marketing scheme for children, where it's like get this uh, child specific book from spaghettios, and all you have to do is give us twenty bucks. Ryan, that's like all of children's food ever. Have you never bought oh, cereal for the toy inside? Oh, I definitely have. And especially as a kid, I, I'm amazed that my mom never smothered me for me begging for like a box <laughs> of cereal specifically because it had some fucking shitty gyuga, uh buried at the bottom of all the marshmallow dust. My turd bird of a son only eats the marshmallows out of Lucky Charms. Let that Wait. sink in for a second. Wait. I am raising Damien from the Omen. He only eats the marshmallows. Is he... So has he has he eaten the wheat parts, or does he just go straight for the marshmallows? I, in some ways, he's living in the year 3000, because he's like, <laughs> why waste my time with the boring part when I can just pick the marshmallows out? You know? But I'm trying to explain that, like life itself, you have to take the good with the okay ah. except no that that doesn't hold up because lucky charms are delightful no matter what like every piece of the lucky charm is good <laughs> yeah, but, yeah i i, I, I yeah know. i feel like the 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 actual healthy part of the lucky charms i just realized could be made of corn could be wheat or rice it could be packing peanuts and i would have absolutely no idea because i'm like like when i try to picture the non marshmallow part of a lucky charm I feel like my brain just shows me a wheat Pac-Man ghost. It's also covered in yeah. sugar. They're frosted. <laughs> yeah, like it's not it's not like you're eating kashi with like freeze-dried marshmallows in it. Like this is also pure sugar. Kashi's very good too, by the way. We're also on that Eco Kids grind. Um I don't know if they have Eco Kids at your local grocery stores. It's the um the leap and lemurs are pretty good. And, oh, I like the right leap now and we're working through a box of cocoa chimps. See, this is I uh, I feel like Kashi my problem is I got burned because so you know that thing when you actually eat healthy food for like the first time in your adult life after um probably a decade of eating nothing but like fast food and hostess snack cakes. Um the one time like the first time I was like 25 and I'd eaten like Kashi Mighty Bites and I th- thought I was actually going to die. Like, my <laughs> guts... my, You know what my guts felt like? Uh, you know when you were a kid and you would sit crisscross applesauce on a trampoline and your friends would try to make you let go of your ankles by jumping up and down on you? Like playing popcorn? That yeah. was my gut after eating... That was your colon. <laughs> yep, yeah, I all of my insides it's like fiber just fell what? out. <laughs> it was it was horrifying. So, uh, so speaking of refined grown up tastes, let's talk about jungle rot for a minute. Oh boy, jungle rot. So wait, are you ref- are, 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 so are you referring to the uh, the malady or the death metal band? <laughs> the death metal band. <laughs> Which I am kind of really into. Man, honestly, Jungle Rot, it's funny because I, I don't know if you uh, also got those metal compilation CDs from Hot Topic back in the day where it was just like 20 metal songs crammed onto a CD and you'd go home with them. Um, the first song I ever heard from Jungle Rot was called Face Down, which is about being buried alive because of all death metal. 
And it was amazing because the guy sounds exactly like Cookie Monster in a way that is like, you picture what death metal sounds like, and it sounds like jungle rot. Yeah. They're also on Victory Records, which for old dinosaurs like you and I, oh, yeah. that's taking back Sunday's old record label. Yeah, Victory, I can instantly picture every emo kid I knew with a Victory Records t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. And now they have Jungle Rot. Honestly, all right, all right, do you know what the most disappointing experience I've had in the last week was? There is a band th- that I desperately want to like because their name is Infant Annihilator. They are a death metal band called Infant Annihilator, which obviously you're thinking, oh boy, over-the-top humor and ridiculous like songs about killing babies. Like, Obviously I would listen to Infant Annihilator, but then the problem is... Uh, if you look at any of their songs, they're all, like, the worst kind of shock humor, and it's like, I wasn't trying to listen to a song about Nambla on a Thursday afternoon. And you and you just, like, have to turn it off, because it's like, look, I, 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 you know, here's my question, though. Why is it I look at a song about child abuse from a death metal band, and I'm like, get the fuck out of here. But I look at a song like Hammer Smashed Face by Cannibal Corpse, and I'm like, now we're talking. Uh, let's talk about how the guitar player from Cannibal Corpse just got arrested because he set his house on fire with a flamethrower. <laughs> Honestly, that's like Jeff Hanneman from Slayer dying of, what was it, necrotizing, well, uh, necroti- necrotizing I... fasciitis. That's right. He His skin rotted off and he died, which is... Honestly, you know, I feel like, like and everyone's skin does. <laughs> Absolutely. So the first movie we're doing this week uh, is all right. So on Shutter, uh, currently there is a comp, uh, there is an anthology horror movie made this year, uh, and the name of it is All the Creatures Were Stirring. Ho ho ho! This is our Christmas episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, so now that we've talked about necrotizing fasciitis and jungle rot, let's talk about Christmas. So All the Creatures Were Stirring was. Fine. All right, all right. So it was, uh, so it was made by the. I, I, I think it was made by the folks who do a podcast about Bloom, uh, Blumhouse. Yeah, and they're very wonderful. Oh, they're lovely folks. Um, I think honestly, now, and and this is a thing that we've talked about on this podcast before. All right, uh, anthology horror movies. Um, first of all, I would describe myself as pro anthology horror movies. Oh, absolutely. They're wonderful. Like it's just bite-sized little little fried balls of dough that you can just you know i and and especially again you don't see a lot of like rom-com anthology movies or spy uh, anthology movies like generally it's everything has to be really splashy and over in 15 minutes and that's basically uh all the creatures were stirring yeah and and it's funny because the reason why i like it and the reason why i dislike it are the same um (laughs) the first Act the the first short that's not the framing device. Which the framing device, I would watch an entire movie. It is the. Do you think they're purposely being the really bad black box theater where the the actors are doing these really terrible, overly um, mm. sincere portrayals, right. or do you think that that's just? Yeah, I think they're I think they're definitely riff, riffing on when it's like a really bad avant-garde theater. Like on Key and Peele, it would be Dick Nanigans. Um, and and the thing is, in LA, I think this is such an LA horror or uh, an LA thing because we uh, went and saw um, Cyrano de Bergerac at this little theater in like Burbank or something a few years ago, and 
There was an actor in this tiny shoebox theater who happened to be Lieutenant Commander Shelby on Star Trek The Next Generation for like two episodes. And so, yeah, so she was just there in this little shoebox theater in Burbank. And it was, and so I feel like that's kind of what the riffing on with this is just like the sort of quiet, weird horror of going out to a little theater with like five people in the audience in the middle of the night. And I really do like the guy who is staring at the the lead woman the whole play. Like, it's, it's a oh, nice, yeah. subtle creepiness to it. Um, I think the thing I dislike, yeah. though, is that some of the anthology bits are too short to have real characterization, but they assume that that's not a problem. So, like, we're supposed yeah. to know and care about these co-workers who are killing themselves saw style it's saw but dirty santa <laughs> yeah oh oh my god saw but dirty santa is literally the first one i think uh what's the name of that it's not important like they, they've all got little they're uh, all names. obscure you know christmasy titles they're, they've all got christmasy titles and i feel like they um until the day we all sink to hell they are going to melt down every line of the night yeah, before it, it it will be it's like the great gatsby you could no longer quote a line from the night before christmas from the night before christmas without referencing a horror movie Exactly right. And I feel like they should honestly, um, they're going to get to the point that they have to start referencing like I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus by the time, which by the way, uh, stay tuned for when we uh, talk about the second movie we're talking about. All right. So the first one, it's uh, the setting is an office and it's an office Christmas party and it's a bunch of coworkers who are all in a big uh, conference room and the, the doors are locked and there's like poisonous green gas outside, which first of all, why wouldn't it be green and red gas if you're going for Christmas? Right. Like, I mean, the green is pretty Christmassy, but definitely the complementary colors are would have been a better touch. I feel like they don't commit to the Christmasness of I mean, now, and and so what they have to do is they're all in this room together, and there's like uh, a guy who's doing his level best uh, Luke Skywalker as the Joker impersonation, where yeah. they're you know hoo hawing all over the place, and they're you know sort of telling all these coworkers like you're going to have to open the presents or I'm going to kill you. And so the problem with it is if we've only got like what 10 15 minutes to do this little anthology thing, you have to get to the promise of the premise so quickly. Like I do not care about the backstory of any one of these characters in your ho- in your holiday themed anthology horror movie. Well, the problem is the, they need motivation to be willing to kill each other, and instead of just right. being like, hey, working in an office is really bad, we've all seen The Office. I mean, yeah. if you just put the office characters or stereotypes of them in a room, you go, oh, of course I would kill my coworkers then. Yeah. And they only kind of like halfway do that. The people that they show being jerks are murdered immediately and then the people that right. we don't know are left in the office so like they either need to like ramp up the stereotypes or expand this to a feature length because you have scott who's in love with the other woman in the office so <laughs> when he finds out that she's been cheating on her boyfriend with someone else he slits his throat because that's the totally 
you know, logical thing to do. Yeah, that that's the that's definitely the reasonable and measured response is, oh no, the girl I like has ever had sex with someone else. I'm going to literally slit my own throat at the ho- at the holiday party. I think they got a um a, a real good deal on neck squibs in this movie because <laughs> yeah. like every one of them has that same net cutting effect and it's very good yeah but you could yeah, definitely tell this is basically like, doctor well, let's play on th- our strengths yeah this is dr splort's discount neck squibs like this is they had to offload a shitload of gushers and everybody's neck is constantly exploding in this fucking motion picture um <laughs> and so it turns out that the uh the guy responsible for uh closing all these co-workers into a room and making them kill each other etc is i think the janitor yeah yeah and that doesn't really even matter. The best part of it is, oh, one of the presents is a gas mask, so now we're going to kill each other for this gas mask to get out. Oh, and also I'm going to take right. a Christmas ornament because, damn it, I put it, it was a $25 limit, and I'm going to go home with something good. Yeah, it's honestly, like, I feel like that first segment of All the Creatures Were Stirring was kind of like, look... I don't know if it's that it's 2018 and riffing on Saw at this point is just I'm so tired all the time, but it it's it's not it's not great. But it, I, I think it is a pretty good uh, first segment of a horror. Now, and this is also I think this is the first Christmas horror anthology movie I can think of. So I hate to be pedantic, but a Christmas horror story um, is kind of broken into segments because you have the zombie elves segment, but then you also have Krampus, and then you also have um, the the haunted asylum. But it, that's kind of stitched together with like a better uh, overarching narrative. But uh, and then you have holidays, right. but I think only one of those is a Christmas one. So. Oh yeah, and then also with the framing, the framing device and all the creatures were stirring. Uh, I think where they'll have um, sort of bad actors on stage in a little theater acting out the beginning and ending of these scenes. I want that for every movie. <laughs> Just a bunch of sort of, like, uh, L.A. actors who are definitely waiting tables, sort of. And then I killed my co-workers, like, while staring dead-eyed at the audience. The the part where... there So there's a reindeer murder, and the part where the actor is goring the other one with a stuffed reindeer and going, Blurr! Is, like, the best <laughs> oh part of this God. movie. And she has red streamers that she's, like, throwing out of her stomach. Oh my god, the bit where the guy gets killed by the reindeer, like, because, and by the way, the, the, the actor who plays the, so in this segment, uh, this guy is driving and he hits a reindeer while driving home, and then eventually gets stalked and murdered by a reindeer, which is technically somebody else, like, goring him with the reindeer horns. Um, this guy was uh, Deputy Enos from uh, Dead and Breakfast, which, have we ranked Dead and Breakfast for the podcast? When are we getting that Blu-ray release? <sighs> no, we're waiting for somebody. What? That movie, you've got Bianca Lawson, you've got uh, David Carradine. Diedrich Bader. Diedrich Bader, you've got, uh, it's, it's... The ball. Also, one? Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the sheriff? Like, it's, it's incredible. So definitely the last segment of this one uh, of this movie is the best. The last segment, which features motherfucking Constance Wu from Fresh Off the Boat, like she's so good. Oh my god, she's honestly her face popped up and out loud while watching this, I muttered, "Now we're talking," because she's a fucking great actor. And she uh, so this last segment, it's like uh, 
aliens are abducting people and trying to figure out what the holidays are. And so they're like, uh, I don't How would you describe that segment? It's, it's deliberately Twilight Zone-esque, and it is delightful because you have these aliens mm-hmm. wearing tacky Christmas sweaters saying, would you like another high-calorie Christmas treat? That's what you do for Christmas, right? <laughs> and it is so many, like, oh, yeah. And, like, the turkey they serve them. So Constance Wu and her friend are forced to have Christmas dinner with aliens. And they serve a turkey that is stuffed with right. uh, Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes and candy canes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fucking incredible. Um, because aliens and, and are I, like, I, of course this is what stuffing is. It's it's Christmas <laughs> cookies and terrible candy. Man, and honestly, I love that because uh, it's it's at least a fun sort of, you know what, Christmas traditions are fucking weird. And I feel like there's certain stuff that we just kind of take for granted with Christmas traditions that do not, you know, you actually look at them for two seconds like, wait, wait a goddamn minute. Why are we nailing stockings to the wall? Um, but what, nobody dies in that segment, everything is actually okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the happiest, sweetest, and there's actually, like, a moment of genuine pathos in it as well. And also, it's kind of, like, nicely multicultural, because Constance Wu's character is like, hey, I didn't grow up with Christmas, but America's right. a melting pot, and I want it, so I'm celebrating it. I, I don't know. I like any narrative like Constance Wu's where it's like, look, I didn't really have great experiences with Christmas when I was a kid, and now as an adult, I'm you know really excited about Christmas and trying to like make new traditions and trying to like figure out why people love Christmas so much. Because um, like it's for- like that rally and cry of all like southern mothers everywhere of making memories like god damn it we're just gonna do something <laughs> which i'm reliably informed is how you get precious moments dolls is by announcing that <laughs> right before right before buying them um but yeah so constance Wu is a delight and then it gets to the end of the anthology movie and it's these two people and they're in a theater and they just kind of go and it's how would you describe the ending of this actually it is the weirdest part of an already very weird movie because mm-hmm. the whole, every part of the, the theater scenes is like characters walking out of doors and then walking through doors that they couldn't physically go through. And like, right. there's just a guy laughing uncontrollably at nothing. It's, it's actually pretty fun. It, it is fun, but I also love it because it's the sort of, like, weird for the sake of being weird, like, in a, I don't know, like, I, I don't know if I was giving um, this movie too much credit, but that bit felt like an earnest version of what they were making fun of on stage in the framing device. Oh, where it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, avant, avant-garde for the sake of being avant-garde in your, like, anthology Christmas horror movie? Like, fuck out of here, guys. Come on, what are we, what are we doing? Um, yeah. But... Honestly, I have I, I have spent many worse hour and a halfs than watching uh, all the creatures were stirring. Right. Let's rank it. So the 2006 remake of Black Christmas is at number 209. Is it better or worse? Oh, all right. So for this one, I say we take the best parts of both films. Um, I think for me, for my money, the best part of all the creatures were stirring would have to be the bit where the guy just uh, slits his own throat out of nowhere because the woman he has a crush on happens to have had sex with someone somewhere. 
Because <laughs> it's, I could, I, I had to pause it because I could not stop laughing at, like, that escalated fucking quickly. Um, See, that's so funny like, because I was like, you were saying the best part, and I was like, which is constant woo, and then you're like, no, this really dumb fucking stupid <laughs> throwaway moment. That's the question. Is it, like, the good part, which is Constance Wu, who could, like, act in anything and be a fucking delight, and, like, she's an angel and we're all happy that she's here, or is it... Uh, the nebbish office guy slits his own throat because of sexual jealousy. Um, or the other yeah. pencil neck who um, has a sack of uh, spirit Halloween caliber chains that he's prepared to chain himself to a radiator <laughs> with. It's incredible. I honestly, I yeah, it's, you know what? I, uh, I listen, I know we've been clowning this movie a lot. This movie is a lot of fun. It's not great. Yeah. But it's fun. Um, so, which Listen, right. if you don't have Shutter, like I know there are sponsors. Full disclosure, but go watch this movie. Also, um, by the time this is airs, the new Joe Bob Briggs Christmas special will be on Shutter too. So, what are you waiting for? Yep. So that's not for nothing. Um, I, I here's the thing though. I'm feeling gracious toward all the creatures we're stirring because it's better than last year's Shutter original Christmas movie, All Through the House. Oh yeah. Um, which I. I, you know, when I finished All the Creatures Were Stirring, I was not angry in the way that I was angry when I watched All, the, uh, All Through the House. Yeah, that movie was a bummer. <laughs> oh, it was, com- it was complete. It was complete butt cheek. Uh, so, which is better, uh, the 2006 Black Christmas reboot or All the Creatures Were Stirring? I would say Black Christmas 2006 is such a perfect slice of 2006, like, edgy for the sake of edgy uh, horror reboots. Flesh gingerbread Um, cookies. Yep, yep, making gingerbread cookies out of flesh. Like, I am, you know, I know we've buried it down the list at 209, but I am exceptionally fond of the Black Christmas reboot. Listen, it's very good. It's extremely good. I mean, it's it's almost not even fair to the Black Christmas reboot that the original Black Christmas is one of my favorite horror movies. Um, but that's neither that's neither here nor there. They let's see. Okay, I would say Black Christmas is better, is better than that. However, all right, which is better or worse? Santa's sleigh, S L A Y, featuring wrestler Bill Goldberg as a murderous Santa, or all the creatures were stirring. I would say. Um, all the creatures were stirring is marginally better because there is no okay there is no curling which is a problem but it also has no. Constance Wu in it absolutely and Constance Wu goes a long way for me so yeah so I actually I feel pretty good putting it above Santa Slight and also above um, Cut with Molly Ringwald however yeah. I do think Bob's Burgers um, season uh, 9 episode 4 Nightmare on Ocean Avenue Street is a little bit better than All the Creatures Were Starring I, I think that if we are looking at pathos uh, Bob's Burgers will always win oh 100% so yeah so coming in at our new number 213 is the new Shutter Christmas anthology horror film All the Creatures Were Stirring. And once again, uh, I I know we shill for them a lot because they literally sponsor our podcast, but Shudder is the best, like, ten bucks a month I ever spend. Like, it's it's either, listen, folks, it's either... It's very good for 
for it's either it's either it's either shutter or looking at netflix's horror selection again and going i guess i could watch witchin and bitchin again and no one wants so, that ryan we got a really interesting question in our ask box on tumblr someone wants uh-huh. to know an anonymous tumblr user wants to know what is the most unhorror media we're each into like what's the most quote wholesome content that we enjoy you go first what's the what's the most wholesome content you are into so i really like all ages comic books like Mm -hmm. um sarah varen's sweater weather which is cute animals who um you know bake pies and also it's got recipes and paper dolls in the comics uh and they're all very sweet happy animals uh, so like sweater weather, anything from first second books, um, of course Donald Duck comic books, like stuff like that is probably my really wholesome treat that I enjoy. Oh man, actually, and but that's that is fucking delightful. Honestly, I feel like since starting this podcast, I have f- begun filling my life with more wholesome things to like counterpoise the like non-stop stream of horror movies we watch on this podcast and <laughs> the daily it, it's, it's wonderful it's wonderful because yeah it's it's incredible because and honestly it's been really helpful for me and like i might be you know doing a bit of a deep dive here but um so i love this podcast so much and one of the things that i love um that it's done for me is it's it's helped me figure out where the line is for me because i think before before we started doing rank and vile i think i was very sort of laissez-faire with like I will watch whatever horrifying shit happens across my my computer screen. I will watch anything. And I very quickly figured out while doing this podcast that if you throw open the the floodgates and just let everything in, you will you'll you'll end up feeling real crusty in your in your brain parts. Like it feels bad to watch nothing but bad things. You got to flush the cobwebs every now Absolutely. So for me lately, the uh, the wholesome content I have been consuming, um, or I, I should say we have been consuming at my house, has been the Great British Baking Show. I love that show um, so it, much. <laughs> uh, Quincy, I love the Great British Baking Show so much. I'm sorry. I'm taking the podcast hostage for one moment while I gush about how much I love this fucking show. Um, there's <laughs> such a legitimate joy in the show for the fact that, and maybe it's just that, you know, I grew up on American reality TV. Like, all of my coworkers are obsessed with Real Housewives of New York, and it's mostly what we reference, and we post gifts of Real Housewives of New York in our group Slack every single day at work. And it's wonderful, like, it's a very, and you know, this isn't me shitting on American reality TV, because I'm not too good for shady bitches being goaded into murder by the producers for my entertainment. Like, this is our birthright as a country, but... English reality TV is so different because everybody is so nice and they're all doing their best and they're all passionate about baking. And, you know, they all just want to learn and be better and support each other. Like, nobody's backstabbing each other on this show. Everybody's just doing their best. Like, the spiciest moment on this show was somebody's baked Alaska fell off a counter. Have you seen the American harrowing. Bake Off, which they're not allowed to call Bake Off because of um, of legal reasons? <laughs> no, what is this? So, so they can't call it the Great American Bake Off because I think like uh, some kind of company like Pillsbury has trademarked that. So oh, it's called the American Baking Show, and it's got Paul Hollywood as a judge, <laughs> and it's 
GBBO, nice. but Americans. Yeah. And, well, um, it's it's got a very tragic storied history because there is a season that was recorded and never aired because one of the judges was a sexual predator, and um, oh they Jesus, kind of scrapped the whole season. And I am Facebook friends, you know, six degrees of separation. Facebook friends with one of the contestants' husbands, and he was like, you know, hey, fuck you, Holy my wife could have, you know, gotten this break, and you've ruined this for not just the people you've hurt, but everybody. Um, but anyway, Holy it's, shit. it's it's refreshing to see Americans also try to engage in this like positive atmosphere because they're trying to mm-hmm. recreate it um, just in America. Um, that's on Hulu if anyone wants to uh, watch that. And Hulu, if you are listening, um, you can comp us a subscription as well. We'll talk about you as much as we talk about Shudder. Hint, hint. Man, honestly, I wonder if it's lightning in a bottle. This segment to um, uh, Hulu's PR person with like this time stamp. (laughs) Oh my god, yeah. Honestly, like I wonder if it's like lightning in a bottle that you can't totally take the Great British Baking Show and like put it in America, even though it's got like Paul Hollywood in it. Um, It's like when they did uh, the 1996 Doctor Who movie in the United States with Paul McGann. And it just yeah. there's something in translation that doesn't quite make it. But yeah, like watching Great British Baking Show, I love so much that honestly, it's like it's like audiovisual Xanax. Like I can just feel my blood pressure dropping as I watch this show. So that's I think that's the most wholesome thing I'm into, or possibly I maybe it's Steven Universe. Like that's that's I, very wholesome as well. I really, really love Steven Universe, and honestly, I also just started uh, watching She-Ra. Um, She-Ra is also extremely wholesome. Oh, I really want to see that, but my son oh. is on a dinosaur kick, so he won't relinquish the the remote control. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your son doesn't want any She-Ra right now. Like, listen, if She-Ra does not have twenty thousand teeth and is not twenty feet tall, get the fuck out. Um, my son got a got his early Christmas present from his uncle. It is a three foot T Rex that eats smaller dinosaurs. Oh yes, oh yeah. You you and playing yeah. with that with him this afternoon. There is a fetish uh, just, uh, blossoming <laughs> in this young lad. Yeah, this is this is you know what uh, Jurassic. I'm gonna I'm just gonna say it. Jurassic Park is a gateway to vor. I'm yeah. just gonna say it. it and, and the will it fit? Like, will this toy fit in the in the gut of this T Rex? Yep, it will. Can this T Rex vor GI Joe? Um, okay, but let's also talk about how this isn't a new thing. Being Jurassic Park is vor because mm-hmm. in the '90s they created this T Rex at, at a much smaller scale. But mm-hmm. the T Rex that came out in the original line had a guy in like a shark cage yeah. that the T-Rex could eat. I had that toy. If you pressed the the T-Rex's flank, it would make both a roaring noise and then also a crunching noise. <laughs> um, and it was amazing. Like I it was the uh, I I can't even believe this is one of those weird moments of like the world is very tiny. That was called the Bull T-Rex and it came out right after the Lost World Jurassic Park and I totally had it as a kid. Um, yeah, and and I think the cruelest part is it wasn't just a regular 
action figure because that would have just been fine but it was a <laughs> no this guy's in a cage so he's gonna live through it except for when the stomach acid actually gets to him oh god except he's going it's like a ban marie and he's going to be cooked alive in the stomach acid <laughs> yeah in this yeah. fucking cage and also that guy had an expression of pure horror on like <laughs> like you would <laughs> etched on his face to be eaten by the yeah, my god um hey, so speaking if of you're into war and that was your thing um we want to hear from you just we're not <laughs> going to make fun of you it's just like we want to know if that's like a thing actually generally if you're into war you know hit us up we want to talk to you um <laughs> so uh the next, so the last movie we're talking about um, at, for our, our, our Christmas holiday extravaganza. Now, I would say that for me, the movie we're about to talk about is in the top three Christmas horror movies ever made. It's um, wild. It's extremely wild. So the movie we're talking about is Christmas Evil from 1980. Um, and this is... Now, there was a spate of uh, scary Christmas movies from around this period, and a lot of them ended up as video nasties, where, like... Uh, a lot of like consumer advocate groups and parent groups were very, very upset that you know there were these movies that featured mean Santa who kills people, and they're like, "Look, if my kid watches this movie, they're going to be afraid of Santa because he's killing people. You're terrible. Why would you make this movie?" And I'll tell you why they made this movie because it fucking rules. Um, Christmas Evil is outstanding. And what's wild about that whole assumption of children will be afraid of Santa now is in this movie, canonically, children are willing to kill their own parents in order to protect Santa. <laughs> it's a basic... Listen. A father says, Susie, get away from that murderer. There's an APB out for a guy dressed like Santa. The father pulls out a switchblade and tries to stab Santa, and Susie knocks the knife out of his hand. And like, no, and like bum rushes him to keep him from getting to the killer. And Santa's just like, I, I just picture him leading, leading down and whispering, "Kill for me!" Ho ho ho! <laughs> um, it's it's amazing. So sorry. Right, so the plot of the movie uh, is that now, and apparently, according to the IMDb trivia page, which you knew I would bring this up, um, the director of this film came up with the idea for Christmas Evil because he got really, really baked back in the seventies and had a vision of Santa Claus with a knife and was like, what if I made a horror movie that was Santa but evil? Uh, and the movie, uh, so the movie centers around a guy named Harry. Harry was traumatized as a kid because um, it, we, it starts with a flashback scene of Santa Claus coming to his house um, and he and his brothers and sisters are like hiding behind the banister watching Santa. And he's like a nice Santa because it's, their, it's literally, it's just their dad in a Santa Claus costume. Um, and then later on, he watches his mom getting railed by Santa. So it's literally, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus, except it creates a psychosexual <laughs> blood lust. I saw mommy kissing just... Santa Claus and it made me want to kill. So, so I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus is one of my favorite Christmas songs because it is so purely naive like the whole song is this kid singing i saw my mom kissing santa wait till i tell my dad about it and it's like my guy that is your dad <laughs> he's dressed as santa and santa's like your father now <laughs> santa's going santa to marry your daddy. mom little boy <laughs> 
that's actually what that's actually what my, I saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus is about was like Santa Claus is my new dad and we live in the North Pole and I miss my family. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. I'm I'm canonically. Please, I'm, please send help. <laughs> but yeah, so like flash forward until Harry's an adult and he's spying on children in the tenement across from his and he's created a naughty list. Yes, he that he is documenting the sins of neighborhood children and being like, Well that kid was cranking off to Playboy, so he's gotta go. That motherfucker, though, they he runs into these kids on the street, uh-huh. and he says, "What do you all want for Christmas?" And he's and and Moss Garcia, you know, local pervert and turd, uh, right? You know, ragamuffin eight year old says, right. "I want a lifetime subscription to Penthouse." Dude, 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 and it's like you little shit. Yeah, Moss Garcia. So, I'm not saying that any child deserves to die. But <laughs> listen, if any Moss child Garcia does suck really bad. Yeah, if, if any kid deserves to die a Christmas death, it is Moss Garcia in the film Christmas Evil 1980. Um, and so Harry is uh, he works at this place called uh, was it Jolly Dreams? It's a toy factory. It's a toy factory. Except it's all cheap plastic crap because you know no one makes toys like they used to. Yeah, it's cheap, shitty tchotchkes for children, and it's, I think, meant to be an indictment of the Christmas industrial complex on some level, but it doesn't really try. Uh, But Harry, um, who was traumatized as a child by watching his mom make out with Santa Claus, uh, he... Now, okay, the rest of his family is still around. Like, his brother, who has, I think, one of the most adventurous hairlines I have ever personally seen... It is a deeply experimental hairline, and I say this as someone whose hairline is also receding, and I just shaved my head because it's preferable to going bald and, like, clinging to that one scrap of hair I had going. Um, His hairline is... You could, like, chart the slope of this man's hairline. It is wild. And so he's the brother who isn't completely out of his mind, who's, like, kind of trying to help keep his brother Harry tethered to terra firma. Yeah, it, it's also wild in this movie that every child... So, so fast forward, the brother puts on a Santa Claus outfit and goes on a killing spree. Oh, you knew that, But he yeah. shows up to his same brother's house, and the whole movie, every child is like, what's up, Santa Claus? Except he drives into the driveway, and the kids are like, hey, it's Uncle Harry dresses Santa. <laughs> it's like, how are you the only children that have noticed? Because they remember his terrible bloodshot eyes from, <laughs> oh, so many holidays. And then they see they see that mug pop, and they're like, oh, fuck, hey, hey, hey Uncle Harry. Um, but uh, this movie does a thing that I love very much, which is once Harry goes completely Cracker Barrel and decides to start doing a murder, he goes to a house and he tries pulling an artisanal Santa and, like, going down the chimney from on top of the roof. He does use a ladder to get up on the roof, so it's not like he, like... He didn't commit to it and get a reindeer and convey the reindeer onto the rooftop. But he did paint a sleigh on the side of his van. <laughs> Which is my favorite part of this. That He's just like, it's like a sleigh, basically. And he tries getting down the chimney, but he can't get the fucking flue off with his fingers. And he's like sweating and straining with this chimney for, I would say, like a good two minutes of on-screen time. And eventually he just decides, you know what? Fuck this. I'm using the front door. Also, he kills a uh, guy in front of a church with a 
hatchet, like a like a little kid's cowboys and Indians hat tomahawk. A Christmas hatchet. Uh, yeah, a Christmas hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he died a festive death, and and also he got killed in front of lots of people. And what's amazing about the guy who gets murdered in front of God and everybody at the church. He has the sort of Mr. Belvedere-ass voice that, as a child, I imagined rich people had, where he's like, Oh, I say, dear boy, oh, look, it's Santa Claus. Like, he's just like, there. he's trying to clown on Santa in front of this church, and Santa just stabs his eye out and kills him with a Christmas hatchet. And then, a, a thing that I love very much about Christmas Evil, uh, you know how in a lot of, and this isn't a slasher movie by any means, um... In certain movies like this, for whatever reason, the killer is, like, preternaturally strong or fast or graceful. Not Harry. He's a dumb fuck in a Santa costume. He, like... Yeah, he... The town starts to chase him with literal torches and pitchforks. It's amazing. And, you know, the easiest thing to do would be to take off the fake white beard and the red jumpsuit, (laughs) but he doesn't think about that. No, because he's Santa Claus. Like, because they're literally putting out an APB for, like, look, guys, a guy got murked in front of the church by someone we can literally only describe as Santa Claus. So, you know, keep, keep your eyes peeled for Santa on Christmas, and uh, they show the Santa. police station, and there's a lineup of Santas, and they're just like every Santa you see, just bring them all in. Yeah, I can only think of two movies that feature a police lineup of Santas, and it is the Santa Claus and now Christmas Evil. Um, and so the 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 end of the movie, um, which by the way, Do this all spoil it. Oh, I feel like we gotta, but it's a wonder- okay. Okay, spoilers. Okay, yeah. Here's um, if we're, you we're about want to... to fast forward. Have a happy holidays. We'll see you next week. Thanks, folks. Um, so the ending of this movie rules, and I'll tell you why. Um, so Quincy, actually, Quincy, please, if you could, describe the ending of this film. Um, so Harry is driving away from this angry mob in his van, mm-hmm. and he crashes over a bridge, but instead of the van falling into the water, it flies off into the night because <laughs> it's, a, it's a Christmas sleigh. Fuck yeah. Um, Which is the most we don't know how to end this movie, so mm-hmm. what the fuck ever, let's just go home. Exactly, but what what's amazing about it is that apparently the ending of this film is that canonically, Harry is real dead. Like, that car plummeted and exploded. Um, and he, uh, you hear the sound of an explosion uh, quietly in the background as the movie is fading out, and apparently that was like lost on a lot of... Like, I didn't even notice it until I was, like, looking up the ending. Like, what happened? He flew away? And, like, no, no. He imagines that he's Santa, so he imagines that he gets to fly away while yelling and to all a good night, when, really, he just exploded in a Christmas van and died. Yeah, that does not read in that film. That film (laughs) ending is... That film ending is a giant shrug of, wouldn't this be kind of (laughs) cool? What if it, it, that's that's the result of the director's eyes twinkling like an elf and going, you know, he might just be Santa and and just sort of like, oh, OK, he just flew away in his fucking evil Santa van. Um, but this movie, I feel like so of the glut of evil Santa horror, which I, I think aside from this and here's which, by the way, Silent Night, Deadly Night fucking sucks. And I hate that movie. I think my favorite iteration of evil Santa killing people is the episode of Tales from the Crypt. With oh, for sure. That is the gold standard 
killer yes. Santa. Yeah, it's the best killer Santa in in um, TV or movie history. Uh, but Christmas Evil, it is wildly experimental in a way that also now for other movies that came out in 1980, I feel like Christmas Evil is kind of. For, for me, I don't know why my brain groups it with the movie Maniac, also from 1980, where it's like the killer is allowed to have any kind of depth outside of his function as a killer. Like, yeah. Like, in Maniac, you know, you, you, you watch this guy interacting with people and you can watch him kind of trying to have a life outside of the fact that he kills people. And I feel like Harry in Christmas Evil, like, he is given a kind of tenderness around children because he doesn't kill kids. And because he genuinely, you can tell that he loves Christmas so much, and he loves being Santa Claus. He will dance at your hol- like holiday party. He will do his best Santa Claus impersonation, especially, you know, the more he kind of falls off the sanity wagon. And I feel like Harry is kind of a tragic figure in this movie. Like, this is not a slasher film. Yeah, I mean, there is the part where you're like, get over it, dude. That kid has poor hygiene, but you can't put him on the naughty <laughs> list for poor hygiene yeah that's like, exactly you just right cannot do that like look but i think yeah, we could all it's... agree just because you watched your mom making out with santa doesn't mean you need to like kill a kid for not washing his hands or something okay he he watches his mom make out with santa and he breaks a snow globe and cuts his hands up with it Right, and I think that that's meant to be sort of oh no this is trauma this is damaging for him in a long term psychological way but it's very interesting because the brother says, like, Harry, you're an idiot. That was dad. Yeah, yeah. Which I love that so much. That it's like, look, you fucking putz. That was your father in a Santa costume. Stop killing people. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Christmas Evil. You're not damaged. You're just an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're not damaged. You're just an asshole. And that's the movie. And then when he dies, it's sort of like, all right, well, I guess that's over with. Um, So... I really like Christmas Evil, but I feel like if we're ranking it, like I said, uh, Black Christmas to me is my favorite Christmas horror movie, and that's down at what, number 95? Yeah, OG Black Christmas is number 95, and Maniac is number 97. Oh, man. All right, so there we go, actually. I think that might be a more comparable, um, especially because I think Black Christmas is doing such a different thing. Uh, from this, but I think between Maniac and uh, Christmas Evil, which, by the way, uh, John Waters lists Christmas Evil as his favorite Christmas movie, so, you know, take that for what it's worth. I feel like John Waters is just being a troll there. Oh, of course he's being a troll. here's another thing to consider. Gremlins is a Christmas movie, and it's at number 120. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that is at 120, yeah. Um, Okay, is this better or worse than Gremlins? Uh, It ain't got a Mogwai in it. Yep, so I gotta go with Gremlins on that one. Also, okay, because... Also, also, also. hmm There is a scene in the original Gremlins where there's a Tom Waits Gremlin who is smoking and staring and drinking whiskey and staring off, and <laughs> another Gremlin comes up with a weasel puppet to charm, to, like, cheer him up. Oh, my God. Um, so there's literally a puppet who is using puppets. That That's ghoulish in a way I had not previously considered, and that's wonderful. It's like you're puppeting, it's like your weekend at Bernie'sing a body around. Also, uh, in Gremlins 1, they made life-size uh, Gremlins for close-up shots. Oh shit, that is true. So between that and just an unsanitary, unsanitary uh, killer sort of wandering around for an hour and a half, 
we got to give the edge to Gremlins on that one. I would say, for me, I do think this is a better movie than Creep 2. Now, here's the problem with that. Mm-hmm. You're also saying it's better than The Ring, where a woman <laughs> kills a horse by just freaking it out. <laughs> <laughs> she upsets a horse to death. Yeah, I, that actually... <laughs> I think that rates above. You're you're correct. Let's see. Uh, okay, I do think it's better. All right, my my absolute floor for this. I think this is better than Blood Harvest. Oh, for sure, it's definitely better than Blood Harvest. However, but not by much. Not by much, and it's definitely not as good as The Fly with uh, Jeff Goldblum and Gina Davis. Okay, would you rather rewatch mm-hmm. a luchador who is? Uh, Helping a crime boss uh, harvest organs in a in the black market, Ooh. or um, Harry drive off in that van again. I gotta tell you, I would rather watch a luchador harvesting organs than watch yeah. that. Although, and, and don't get me wrong, I really love this movie and that final scene. But between those two, I mean, how how do I turn down an organ stealing luchador? Like that's not. I'm as a man made of stone. <laughs> that's yeah you know, I'm, I'm i'm reasonable so yeah so i feel i feel pretty good about that so coming in at our new number 139 uh, below ryan prowse's low life and above blood harvest with tiny tim the murder clown is christmas evil from 1980 quincy okay. where can our listeners find us on the internet our listeners can find us on twitter at rankin Valcast. Uh, they can contact us uh, through email, which is rankinvilecast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at rankinvile. We're on YouTube at rankinvilecast. We're on Tumblr, uh, rankinvile.tumblr.com. And we are on Letterboxd, um, and our username is... Just rankinvile. Um, Just rankinvile. If- and if you have any requests, uh, because uh, we and we didn't get to any on uh, this episode, but we did get to respond to the question of... Um, which, by the way... I love that we try very much to talk about wholesome shit on the show where it's like, okay, which is better or worse, Takashi Miki's audition or Curious George, a Halloween boo fest? And, <laughs> and I think this is because, like, listen, we, it, it can't be nonstop gore all the time. We have to have some, some wholesome things. Uh, but it, so, uh, I do want to... Let me, let me cut a quick promo. I know please. that we are uh, being laughed at by some of the other horror podcasters because they have mentioned oh you guys will rank anything but it's definitely intentional <laughs> true we know who we are we, we yeah we know what we're about also I, I i support and encourage any clowning of our list because and, and this is my thing is what at this point on the list we are at uh it's untenable it's, it's 341 ridiculous. movies i feel like past about 80 movies you are it is complete calvin ball like how (laughs) a thing being better or worse than anything else is like i don't know how do i feel right now at this moment in time um but yeah so if you have any questions uh that you want us to answer uh on the air or any requests uh you're gonna want to send those to rank and vile cast uh, at gmail.com or like the anon we uh answered uh on today's episode in the ask box uh i always want to say ask box to make sure i'm not saying ask box because i'm always a split second away from accidentally saying Xbox when I say Xbox <laughs> uh, on rankandvile.tumblr.com uh, but yeah um, so speaking of that um, request society and we'll talk about it oh oh I would love to do society but uh, that is uh, all I got you got anything else uh, stay spooky y'all later folks <laughs>